Happy Father's Day. You know, we, uh, I think as, as ministers, we always try to make the message somewhat relevant to what the holiday is or what we're going through. And so as I started praying over the last few uh, weeks, it was, Lord, what is it that you want? And I believe that, that God was uh, giving me a journey. Hi there, you would have stinky. <laughs> and uh, my granddaughter, she gets all excited when she sees her papa. And uh, are you in the service today? Is it Father's Day? What? You can't, I can't hold you. See, before long, she'll be like, she's like, and uh, it's either that or she thinks she's uh, Super America or Miss America, Captain America, whatever. Super, not Sue, Super. Uh, America, Captain America, whatever. Okay, back to the, my message. <laughs> See what happens when the baby comes around, you're distracted. The power and faithfulness of a father. You know, I, I think that something that I've been going through in my own track of life, in my own certain situations is, what is a father? What does he look like? How does that play out? And I just, you know, as I was praying while we were away on the sabbatical, I said, you know, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to, to be said today? How many of you could say you've had an indifferent, maybe some of you've had great relationships with your father and some have been indifferent? Yeah, some have been indifferent. So I started to realize that when people would come to me, I started noticing the correlation and the comparison between what that looked like for them. What did that look like and, and how was it that they uh, took on, you know, that relationship? And I've watched people struggle in their Christian life. And in their Christian life, sometimes they start to refer to their Heavenly Father like they do their earthly father. But it somewhat makes sense for me. Because many of us, you know, if you were went through the 60s era of conflict and then you were in the 70s and things have changed and then divorce became, you know, relevant in so many families and we became like disattached as husbands and wives and now we're in a society where anything goes and everything goes and what is a role model? How does that role play out today? I'm here to tell you that every child needs a father and every child needs a mother. That's how God created it. And it's important for us to understand that today because here's how it works out. That I know for myself, and if I look at my siblings, I look at their relationship uh, because there was, I have four siblings. Uh, my mom was married to a gentleman for 10 years and then my dad for a couple years and um, we had an amazing stepfather and there was a, a great relationship there. But Tracy and I came from the, the second group. But I started to notice that, um, you know, I look at my Heavenly Father. My dad was a hard worker. I mean, he was consistent. He was a man of his word. And so and he was real strong and harsh. And so there's oftentimes I feel like I look at my Heavenly Father the same way in relative in relationship to my earthly dad. I don't know if you've done that, but then I've noticed people that have said, you know, it's very difficult for me to go to church. It's very difficult for me to trust in my Heavenly Father because their dad abandoned them. He wasn't there. He wasn't a part of their life. And so because of the lack of that role model, I start to see that disconnect. There's dysfunctionality. And it's like, how can we gain that and regain that? But I truly believe this, that our faith is put in Jesus Christ. Then if we put our faith and trust in Christ, then our relationship's going to be better. Listen, so for people that have had a dad that was absent from their life, I think to myself often, wow, I'm really proud of you for your step of faith, the way that you trust. Maybe for some of you, you've lost a dad 
through death, maybe when you were younger, whatever that might look like for you. And so there was that void as well. All I'm saying to you is that the Bible says that he's there for you. He'll never leave you. He'll not forsake you. He loves you and he cares for you. And much like our Heavenly Father, we go through hardships and we go through trials. And many times we don't realize just how difficult it really is to put that faith and trust in God because we didn't have that role model that was there for us. God brought to mind Abraham. God brought to mind Abram. He said, you know, as I was praying through this, what is the power of a father? And I believe that the power of a father is living a faith-filled life. So that you could teach your children what it looks like to live by faith. Because that's the premise of Christianity. Is living our life in Christ. Yet there is that disconnect. There's that void that is there. And I hope by the end of my message today, you'll understand the power of a father. I don't know how this is going to look, but we're going to go with it, right? I know that the scripture says in Genesis, if you'll turn there with me. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and here's how it reads. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed then it also says in genesis chapter 15 if you'll if you'll turn your page over there if you have your electronic device whatever it might be uh genesis chapter 15 verse 1 reads this after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision saying do not be afraid abram i am your shield your exceedingly great reward but abram said lord god what will you give me seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Old, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. In verse 5, Then he brought him up outside and said, Look, Now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. The man was already talked. The man was already tired after walking only a few hours. Now watch. Today I'm going to do kind of a little bit of a narrative, and we'll see how it comes out. It's kind of not the usual way that I do my services, or uh, my messages, and our, our worship services. But today I want to kind of engage in this direction. So here he was. He was tired, and he was only walking for a few hours. He knew that it was going to be a long and very weary journey. As he gazed ahead, he did not notice much of what was going on about him. And we're talking about Abraham. He was concentrating on what was in the distance. And as they traveled, he was always searching for what was on the horizon. He was looking for the telltale sign of a mountain. Not just any mountain, but one in particular. It was Mount Moriah. I looked it up, and it's a place that was so valuable 
that people want even parts of it. And even today, uh, there's some Islamic stuff that's there. Muslims have come in and tried to take that area because that's where creation goes back to. And it's just a, a significant place of holiness that people want to be a part of. But it's yet, it's a very expensive place. And so as I was looking into this, I'm thinking, why was, why was the focus on Mount Moriah? Because I think it was really the focus was trying to get uh, people to see just the holiness of where they were going and what was about to take place. When one looked at him, you didn't see a man who lived a nomadic life, but a man of regal bearing, a man that was used to command and being obeyed. Years laid heavy on his body. They had not been harsh years, yet he appeared old. One could see the long white hair and the many wrinkles in his face, but his eyes were very clear and his gaze was steady. He walked with purpose, but now when you look into his eyes, you could see that they were lost in thought. Oh, how tired and how burdensome that Abraham must have felt at the time. The days passed slowly and the nights even more so. As he walked his pace, he began to even be more sluggish and slow, not from weariness, but dread. Not because of his age, but because of his love. During the past few days, his mind had been troubled. He had not slept well due to his turbulent thoughts. It was only one matter in in life that had conquered many matters. It was only one thought that caused a heavy burden on his heart. In the sleepless nights, his legs, though used for the long journeys, were now too weary to keep a decent pace. His shoulders, though used to burdens, seemed especially tired by the weight of his responsibility leading this procession. He had traveled far through hot days and cold nights. Yes, he had companions for the journey. There were three men with him to share his tent. Additionally, there were several animals to carry supplies and wood, and his companions recognized that their leader was lost in thought. I kind of feel like that lately. I feel like sometimes I'm just lost in my thought. They recognized from his troubles that he had a troubled brow, that he was wrestling with so many thoughts going on in his life. They kept their conversations at a low murmur so as to not disturb the old man. When at night they rested, they sang their traveling songs quietly so their leader could rest. They'd been traveling. Now think about this. Only three days A three-day journey. They had been traveling. Normally, this would have been a very simple journey for them. On this occasion, it was a very difficult journey. The reason was Isaac. If God had called Abraham to Mount Moriah to sacrifice an animal, it would have been a simple and very easy walk. But the fact that Isaac was to be the sacrifice had made it a very difficult walk. I mean, who gives up their child? Who sacrifices their son? How could this be? The old man pondered. My son, my son in whom my inheritance lies, is now to be taken away. First he was promised me, now I'm to sacrifice him. Why, God, am I going through this? How will I be able to look my wife in the face when I tell her what I have done? How can I return home with blood on my hands, the blood of my son, the sacrifice? He waited for this child for so many years. 
the point we began to doubt that God would keep his promise. Now that he is here, why does God want to take him away? And with a heavy heart and a weary mind, Abraham slowly approached Mount Moriah. Abraham, only days before a joyful father, was now a sad but determined father. He had many questions, but he had no answers. Yet, he continued to forge, he continued to forge ahead to that terrible mountain. Many of us, we would say that was a glorious day. I'm going to go sacrifice something, but to give up something was so valuable. Yet he understood his calling. He understood where his heart was with his heavenly father. He understood that dedication and devotion and faithfulness. Yes, Abraham questioned what loving father would ever do something like this. Yet Abraham still continued to obey God's command. The question this morning is this, who and what had led to this? Well, when we look in the scriptures, it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it says, I will make you the father of a great nation. Quotes God as he made this statement to Abraham. First, he wants Abraham to leave town in a comfortable life. And second, he doesn't tell Abraham where he is to go just to leave town. And then what seems as enticement, he tells Abraham that he will be the father of a great nation. Abraham is 75 years old. All I know is that 75 years old seems to be, uh, I better be careful today, right? A comfortable age. Am I allowed to say that? 75 years old and to think now you have an assignment that you have to take on? Let's just stop for just a minute. What about if God gave you an assignment at your age right now? Would you have enough faith, determination, and trust to say, God, here I am, use me? 20, 30, 40. 50, 60, or if you said, eh, I'll leave it up to her and to him and to them, because you know what? It's, why should I do that? I've retired. Do you understand, God, I've done this now for how many years? I've been serving the Lord. I've been, listen, I was the one that ran the kids program. I was the one that worked in the nursery for 35 years. And he goes, I know you're going to do it for another 35. Are you willing to say, here I am, God, use me and surrender to his will? Sarah, his wife, is and has been throughout their marriage barren. Yet he's a father of a great nation. He wasn't even the father of one child. Now God told him he would have so many that he would be the father of a great nation. You couldn't blame Abraham as he laughed, but he didn't. He packed his bags. He took his servants, his wife and his nephew, and left Haran. And I imagine that by this time in his life, Abraham had given up on being a father. Most of us have had children by the time we are 30. And it's so funny when I hear people say today, Oh, she's 30 years old. She's getting old to have a child. Our fourth, I was 30. And, uh, you know, we won't talk about my wife's age when she had, you know, our last child. Thank you. I almost said something, but I don't think that's appropriate in a public setting, is it now? Okay, even though she, I think she was over 30. Anyhow. Uh, but we realized that he took on his calling, but yet people question what's going on. By the time we are 50, we are probably a grandfather to at least one child. 
which I'm a grandfather to too. And by the time we were 75, we were probably great-grandfathers. Yet Abraham had no offspring. And so you ask yourself this question, why is God talking to me like this? It would be like saying something so profound that, for example, God starts to speak to you and says, take care of your million-dollar property. And you would say, what million-dollar property? I live in a one-bedroom apartment. That's how profound that is. But I believe that Abraham was, at this point, now he becomes a courageous man of God. And Satan's always there to tell him, not me. You can't be talking to me. I'm not even a dad. I don't even understand what a dad is or how that looks like. But listen, for some of you that might even be in the room, you may not be a parent. But God still wants to use you. And we have to realize and we have to, to, to be true to ourselves and say, God, use me in my capacity no matter who I am or what I am. And when God speaks to you, write it down. See how it comes, comes about in your life. You know, for Abraham, he had yet to experience joy. He had yet to experience anguish and surprise and delights and sorrows of fatherhood. He had yet to experience the comfort of a little head, you know, pressed against his chest, the delight of a little one totally at rest and breathing deeply in sleep. He had yet to experience the anguish of a little one crying after skinning their knee while playing. Abraham had gone his entire life without children in 75 years 55 of them married to Sarah all of those years of hoping God would bless them all of those years of feeling helpless struggling with doubt spitting it out listen it's kind of rusty right now it's been a month <laughs> having all those doubts of despair about his future wondering if he would ever have heirs to share his future with oh he wanted to experience all this but now at his advanced age he knew it was very unlikely to happen and how do you think he felt think about it church how do you think he felt when god promised him all of this skepticism probably came up hope amusement derision we don't know what his thoughts were we only know what his actions were to immediately do as god instructed he didn't argue. He didn't question. He didn't laugh. What did he do? He obeyed. He obeyed. When Abram took his wife, his father, Terry. Now listen to this. This is a little history for you. On his family, he was leaving a life of comfort and ease. At this time in history, Ur was the most powerful city of its time. It also was the largest and richest city. Indeed, the city of Ur had running water. And think about this, indoor plumbing. Today, all that remains are a few pot shards and the foundation of the city walls. Where the wheat fields were located lies nothing but sand and salt. Of the Chaldeans, that was the nationality of the people in Ur, we know very little expect what the, except what the Bible tells us and a few nuggets of information that comes from their conquerors. Abraham was told to leave Ur and head east towards Canaan. And Abraham left a life of ease to go to a wild land inhabited by barbarians. He left his brother behind and many of his relatives. Yet Abraham did not complain. He did not complain for years. God started to remind me, stop your complaining. Move into the parsonage and it doesn't matter if you don't have a dresser. Live out of that luggage. Quit your complaining. Go to the land on Southeast Avenue. So here we are. Become obedient. Become faithful. 
It's the little things. He says, if you're faithful with little, I'll be faithful to bless you with much. Where's our faithfulness? But because of Abraham's faithfulness, we notice here in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. Read this with me if you would, please. You can see when Abram was 99 years old, holy moly, happy, great, 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 great Father's Day, right? 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of a great multitude. Sarah's name was changed to Sarah, meaning princess. Interesting, isn't it? By this time, Abraham had been wandering around Canaan for 25 years. Finally, one day, he asked God, where was his heir? According to the laws of that time, if an individual dies without a son, then everything would be left to his chief steward. Abraham reminded God of this fact. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, it says this. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Here we have Abraham pleading with God. He is now in his 90s and he still does not have a child. God reiterates that Abraham would have descendants as numerous as the sands and as the stars in the sky. Yet Sarah wasn't pregnant. Are you guys following me today? Things are taking place. Words are being said. He's listening to the Lord and things aren't coming about. And so he's starting to question. But I love his faithfulness. But you kind of see this going back and forth and how... uh, he's probably thinking, what in the world is taking place right here? I'm 99 years old, and yet now I'm going to be a father of many nations. God reiterates that Abraham would have descendants as numerous as the sands and the stars in the sky. Yet Sarah, you heard me say, was not pregnant. In fact, Sarah was almost to 99 years old. Certainly she was too old to bear children. Indeed, Sarah believed that she was too old. She spoke with her servant Hagar, and we know the story, asked her to lie with Abraham, which means sleep with Abram, Abraham, and to conceive a child. And she convinced Abraham, who needed little convincing, that this would be the best and only way he would ever have an heir. Pastor, where are you trying to go with this? Let me kind of just take you just a minute. Abraham had been very, very faithful up to now. He'd been very faithful He had accepted God's wishes without question. He had left his home in Ur. Now watch. He had left his relatives in Haran. He had spent the last 25 years wandering around Canaan, but now he had become impatient, convinced that Sarah was incapable of bearing children. He did not want to wait for God to work out a miracle. He took matters into his own hands. It wasn't that he didn't believe in miracles. Certainly he had seen miracle over miracle over miracle and after miracle so far in his life. This After all, though he led a nomadic existence, he was one of the richest men in the world. He had conquered armies with God's help. Kings bowed before him. 
because they could see the Lord's work in him. And that's the power of the Father. But now he is impatient. Pastor, how does this become applicable and relevant to me? I believe that God is always on the move to do some great things. I believe that God wants to do great things in your life. And unfortunately, when we start to take all the matters back in our hands, you've you've watched me do this illustration, let go and let God. Well, when I say let go and let God, that means we have a tendency to hold on to, to the reins. It's very difficult for us to do this. How many of you want to hear from the Lord? How many of you want to experience the Holy Spirit? Amen. That's... That's the premise to our Christian life. Listen, if I go by my own mindset and my own heart, oh, things are not going to turn out well. Not at all. That's why you need to be in the Word. That's why you need to be in prayer. That's why you need to, to understand that we have to step away from who we are and start to walk in the Spirit, start to walk in the Lord. And here's what took place. Sarah and Hagar, they have a talk. What ends up happening He lies with her. He starts to lose faith. It's been this many years. This many years. God, if if you could say to me, God's timing is perfect, then God's timing is perfect. We want something right now. Isn't it bizarre? You know, yesterday at the um, celebration of life service, I had to just go out there because, you know, back in the day, and I'm not that old, but back in the day, my, my car was, my dad had bought me a 1967 Dodge Polara. It was beautiful. I mean, it was a two-door. It was rare of its kind with shiny black paint, beautiful turquoise interior with a push-button AM frequency radio. It was heavenly. And I got to tell you, there was nothing like the smell of an old car. So this was me yesterday going down through here looking at all the old cars. I go up to the door, and I stick my head all the way in. Ah, this is great. I love the smell of this old car. There was nothing like it. It brought back memories, right? And so as we look at this story, and I don't even know where I'm going with this, because I think I just went down another fox trail. Yep, my wife's looking at me going, yep, you sure did. And she doesn't even know what my notes say. But when I look at at life, we take matters in our own hands, And we say, you know what, things, I know where I was headed with this, things that we like that trigger memory are this. We love old cars. We love going to buy a car. And here's what they do. They make it enticing. And what I was going to say is, I think it's much like buying a new car. You go get a new car, and what's the first thing everybody always says? I wish the new smell would still stay in that car. We do. You hate getting rid of that new smell. Just there's something about it. I I think they do something to us. Because as soon as you get into it, you're like, Woo! I can afford this $9,552 payment. I know I can. When in reality, you can't. But I know the euphoria that came with the old cars out here. I went back to that 1967 Dodge Polara. And it brought back those memories. It's the same thing that we have a tendency to take matters in our own hands instead of looking at the reason and say, You know what? I can't afford this car. I can't afford what God's providing for me right now. This is way out of my means. He wants us to use logic as well. And men, if you're here today and as I'm speaking to you as fathers, listen, use logic in making decisions in your life. Because sometimes we allow the smells, 
the euphoria, the excitement, you know, the adrenaline that starts to flow to get us excited. Listen, I'm just as guilty because I love cars as well. You know, I love cars. I think they're, they're just fun and they're neat and I like how fast they go and all kinds of stuff. But reality is we have to be careful to remember, you know, our role and the decisions that we make can affect other people as well. And that's what took place with Hagar and Sarah. They ended up fighting, but yet Hagar ended up coming back. And when Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him and repeated his promise of a son. Abraham thought he meant Ishmael and asked for a special blessing on his son. He lost perspective. I lose perspective when I stick my head in an old car. It takes me back instead of staying focused. Abraham thought he meant Ishmael and asked for that special blessing. This God granted but then informed Abraham that the son he was speaking about would be named Isaac and Sarah would give birth to him. Abraham, it says, fell down on the ground laughing. Now, instead of me turning all over the scriptures with you, I just thought I'd I'd put this in narrative form today, kind of give you a, a story of what's taking place. He thought this was a joke. How is this possible? Sarah? What are you talking about, Willis? Bear a son? Abraham thought he meant Ishmael and asked for that special blessing. This could never happen, wouldn't happen, no way. She was over 90 years old. It was impossible. Was it possible that he was laughing with joy? We don't know, but after all, Sarah was his first wife and thus very special to him. He knew of her heartaches at not being able to conceive a child, and now God was assuring him that Sarah would indeed have a child. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. Since the beginning of their union, Abraham and Sarah was... had desired a child. What a blessing the birth of Isaac was to their marriage. The fulfillment of a lifetime had been granted by God, but there was sadness in the tent also. There was jealousy that took place. Ambition crushed, and Hagar was not happy. Her son Ishmael, now 14 years of age, was supposedly the heir apparent to Abraham's wealth. Now there was going to be an uh, an intruder, Isaac. Soon this jealousy became hatred, and Abraham was forced to choose. Yet, Ishmael was his son. He did not want to harm, he didn't want any harm to come to him. And Abraham prayed to God for guidance. And God told Abraham that he must send Hagar and Ishmael away, but that he would protect them on their journey. Isn't it amazing? Look at look at the relationship. Stop for just a minute. Look at the relationship that Abraham had with God the Father. God was continually speaking to him and telling him what to do every step of the way. Wouldn't that be easy for us? If God would just do that for us, it would be amazing. And we realize that Ishmael would be jealous of his brother. There would be ill will towards his brother Isaac and his descendants. But of Abraham, his father, he would always love him. Ishmael would honor his father by traveling to Ephraim and being present at the funeral and burial of Abraham. Isaac grew up. Here's a young man. He grew up in a house of love. He attended his father when he worshipped and built altars to God. He understood the ceremonies and never questioned his father about his devotion to God. said that Isaac was 16 years and Abraham 120 years old when Abraham received the command from God to offer up Isaac for a sacrifice. Isaac was an old man. I mean, I'm sorry, Abraham was an old man. All this starts to take place. We go back to a time when Abraham is now 
at a crossroads. I think that's many of us. We've been at a crossroads. Churches are closing. I was down on the beach and we had uh, a gentleman on our right side. They were talking about they're from Washington, where they were going to go and what they were going to do with their church. And we have a guy who's from uh, the local area figuring out what we're, they're going to do with their church. It was funny that they were biased right there in, you know, Daytona Beach, Florida. And I want to show you what starts to take place as I close. I'm just going to wrap up some things here. So Jay's like, you didn't go to some of those points. That's okay, but that's not where the Lord's leading. So I want, I want to share some an important factor to this story. So here, Abraham, God starts to talk to him. And as he starts to talk to him, he tells him, I want you to do this. So he takes his son and said, let's go on a journey. They pack up. And as they pack up their things, they start heading towards that mountain. Now, you heard me say in the very beginning of the message that he was but a three-day journey and in that three-day journey he was probably going through several different emotions what am i going to do how am i going to do it wait a minute you heard me say this already they prayed and they obeyed and yet they fell away didn't they sarah says lay with this lady my handmaid my servant they have a child and that child ends up uh, Ishmael, there's a whole history if you look into the word of God what ends up happening because of that offspring but yet God starts to bless so here they are even though he made all these mistakes even though he made the bad choices and bad decisions here's what starts to take place in his life he starts to feel that presence of God and yet even though he made some bad choices he still trusted in almighty God today have you trusted in almighty god and i'll say this as i conclude and wind down the service he is now traveling up this mountain and as they're heading that way they fell asleep and can you imagine there was abraham he was just sitting over there on the side and everybody else is sleeping and he's saying you know what i thought that i had the same kind of love that my heavenly father has but wait a minute i've sacrificed all other things and my son has helped me to make some some great sacrifices for God but now I have to make this great sacrifice a sacrifice that says when I get to the end of myself I get to the beginning of God and so he's sitting there and everybody's sleeping and he's thinking you know tomorrow I've got to lift up a knife and, and take my my only wonderful son that is heir that was promised to me you know can you imagine what that prayer life is God you told me that I would be you know uh, great to many nations and that God you would use me Yet he knew that that time of decision, that time where there was this crossroads, what am I, am I doing the right thing? Is this just my thought process or is it truly the Holy Spirit? As you've heard through the story today, he experienced the Holy Spirit. He sensed the Holy Spirit. He knew what it was like to hear from God. He wasn't confused. You know why? Because most of the time he was in line with, with God. He was in line with him. So he knew that intimacy that was there. So they head up there. And he looks at his son. And he says to his son, Son, would you, would you help me build this altar? What do you think the obedient young man would say? Sure, I'll help you. Sure, I'll help you build this altar. I'll go ahead and make this sacrifice. We've done this several times. And so they both build this altar 
Together they go up and they build this altar and they make it beautiful for God and they get ready to make their sacrifice. And his son looks at him and says, but where is the sacrifice? And Isaac says, and Abraham says to Isaac, you are the sacrifice. Now watch this pivotal moment. Right then, even this young man was watching the example of his father. Now had his father not been surrendered, sold out, but more importantly, faithful, do you think that some would have said, here I am, Dad. Here I am. And it says that they tied his hands. Now think about this. He had such an intimate relationship with God the Father that even his son was willing to lay down his life for his father. You see the correlation? Now watch. He lays down his life. And as he lays down his life, Abram, Abraham picks up the knife. And as he gets ready to take his life, God stops him. It says, all I wanted from you was a willing heart, a surrendered heart, a heart that's obedient to me. You've heard me say this before, but here's where reward comes. This is the great part of the story. And after that, he became a father of many nations. He stopped him. But we have to be willing to sacrifice. When we have baby dedication, we let go of those children and say, God, here they are. But we have to be willing to say, God, let me be this example so that the rest of my children and others can see that I'm a man of integrity. Why am I speaking about this today? Because I think as men today, we're, we're faltering and failing in being a representative of Jesus Christ. But the whole time that this was taking place, you know what was going on? God was bringing provision that Abraham could not see. For on the other side of the mountain came the ram. On the other side of the mountain came the reward. On the other side of the mountain came provision. Do you understand that when you surrender, you can't see what God's doing, but God is asking you, give of your life. Let go of it. Let go of the things that are controlling you. Let go of the material things that are, that are controlling you. And yet he said, right over there's the sacrifice. Go get him in the thicket. And his son was spared. But what I want us to see today is that there truly is the final test. And you can pull this up. The final test of Abraham shows his true faith. Abraham shows his true faith and Abraham's life shows us that we may fail at times in our obedience to God. We can achieve victory. And here's the three, here's the things that, that Abraham shows us. Abraham shows us how one, first, we must always listen to God. Two, and secondly, we must recognize that God keeps his promises. Amen? God was with him the whole time. Third, we must relinquish all that we have to God. That's what the story's about, giving Him our all. And finally, 
We must allow God to provide. Now, I want you to rise to your feet, if you would, this morning. And I want you to see this correlation. Now, how do you make this relevant, Pastor, for us in the New Testament? What just took place in the Old Testament reminds me of God the Father and God the Son. The correlation starts to show that it was a three days journey. What must it been like for God the Father to look at His Son and say, you're going to be a sacrifice for the whole world. And then as He's going up the Via Della Rosa and He's carrying the cross, He's feeling the pain and anguish, much like Abraham was as He was going up that mountain, feeling the loss, the pain, the anguish. What would He say? How would He say it? But I've got to be obedient I must be obedient to the will of my Father. And third, it said that Jesus gave of His life. He laid down His life for all of the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. What a blessing. So the blessing came when even His Son saw the love of His Father saw the faithfulness of his father. Today I want to ask you, will you lay down your life for your children? When was the last time you came to the altar and said, Father, I give of my life. I give of my children. I give all and everything to you. How faithful are you? What sacrifices have you made? Listen to me, church. This is where the Rubber meets the road, and the truth gets to the heart. Where's your faith? And I'm speaking to every man and every woman in this room. I know that through my own struggles, my own trials and tribulations, I have faced hardship. But now I see in this story that there was victory. There was a glorious day that came when God stopped Abraham, and there was a glorious day when the tomb was opened up and the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose victorious out of that grave. That's the hope we have in Jesus. What he's asking for you today is, will you be surrendered? Will you seek my face and not my hands? What will you give up for me? And as a father this Father's Day, maybe today... It's going to be look a little different. Maybe some of you are running around going to, to a lot of people's homes. And maybe you're not. But however that looks, let's not grumble over it. Let's be thankful that we have the family. That we're able to make those sacrifices. And that we have a Heavenly Father that saw value for us and sacrificed His own Son to give us life. And life everlasting. Do you receive that today? Will you be faithful to his word? Let us pray. Father, we thank you that today, that Lord, we see a man who lived a godly life, who was blessed, who was rewarded on his efforts, yet his struggles were real. And yet, Father, even through that struggle, you were preparing his heart to fall deeper in love with you. Father, in my own life and in my own struggles, sometimes I think, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need you today. Lord, this is wearing me down and I'm getting tired, but God, I need you.
Lord, would you show yourself real to me? Would you speak to me? God, many times in our life, I know that we want you to speak, and yet when you speak, we don't fully listen. So God, I pray that today for the the men this Father's Day that are in this room, and even the women that have stepped up to become that role model to their children. God, I pray that you will just be with each and every one of them. Help them to become more courageous and live a life that's more faith-filled and more holy. God, we thank you for today, Lord. And I, I ask that you'll, you'll prick the hearts of your children, of your people. And we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out because we love you in an intimate, loving way. And we trust you today. So, Lord, we put all of our trust in you. We ask that you'll guide and direct our footsteps and our paths, much like you did Abraham. Father, forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Lord, we've let you down. But God, we ask that you'll lift us up. Thank you that you're a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And that God, you know our hearts, but you know our potential. So Father, help us to continue to be faithful as we live our life out for you. God, today be with your church be with your people in your holy name we pray amen